Czech German Perspectives is brought to you by the Czech German Young Professionals Program. To find out more about the network, visit our Facebook page by searching CTYPP. You are listening to a new episode of Czech German Perspectives, a podcast featuring a variety of voices from both countries. My name is Eva Kopečna and today I'm going to talk with His Excellency Mr. Robert Kvile, Ambassador of Norway to the Czech Republic, about how COVID-19 has changed diplomacy and diplomatic practice and whether there is still a future for traditional diplomacy as we know it. Every 17th of May, this melody fills the garden of the residents of the Norwegian Embassy here in Prague, as well as more than 100 Norwegians and friends of Norway who gather to celebrate together the most important day of the year, the Norwegian Constitution Day. In the past two years, though, the garden was still and empty. Mr. Ambassador, what did you feel on that day? What did you miss the most about it? You know, the 17th of May is not only a celebration of the Norwegian Constitution of 1814 today, it's more a celebration of our independence, our democracy, and uh, of uh, human rights. And uh, therefore, uh, for me, it, is, it was a pity that I, for the first time in my diplomatic career, was not able to invite anybody to, to the residence to celebrate this day in, uh, in the last two years, in fact. But uh, uh, I am hopeful that we have the pandemic more or less behind us. I'm looking forward to 2022 and a big celebration also in Prague of this important day for, for Norway and for all Norwegians. Did you have any contact with the Norwegian community here in the country during the pandemic? Um, did they have to face any special obstacles, uh, for example, connected with traveling due to COVID-19 or other situation which the embassy had to assist them with? Uh, the Norwegian community in the Czech Republic is very big and by and large it's very well integrated. Many are married with their local uh, partners. Um, but uh, traveling was uh, was for everybody more much more complicated during the pandemic and still is. Uh, we were used to having direct flights between Prague and Oslo once a day, twice a day even. And uh, for a long time we have uh, been uh, we we can travel only via other airports in Europe, and then all the. The restrictions on traveling, you had to do tests and all this, you, you know very much about it. I think every, every listener, I myself, I think I was tested 13 times during the pandemic until I was fully vaccinated late in May this year. So uh, a difficult time for all of us, but I don't think it was any, 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 any particularly more difficult for a Norwegian expat in Prague than for everybody else. Um, there's a special case with all the Norwegian students uh, in, uh, in Prague and in, and in Hradeskralove. You also have a group of students in Brno. Uh, they had a difficult time as all students because the university was closed and they had to study from home. 
and many of them wanted to go to back to to, to Norway and to most of them, I think, to the parents. And traveling again was difficult. So the embassy tried its best to assist uh, the Norwegian students with information first and foremost. And they are clever people, so they've managed to organize themselves. But one thing which um, uh, we all noticed during the pandemic was that it was difficult to understand the flow or, or sort out the most important things and the correct information, the flow information that we receive. What kind of requirements do they have to fulfill in order to be able to enter a plane, to go back to Norway? Uh, and all this. Uh, so it was uh, a big mess, I think, for many, and then uh, for the embassy it was important to try this to, to uh, guide the students in this uh, sometimes chaotic flow of information. I know that many of them are studying medicine here in the country. Were they somehow involved? Uh, did they, exam for example, helped in hospitals here or uh, back home in Norway? Uh, I'm not, I don't have the full picture, but I think, uh, you know, as, uh, to, to have practice in hospitals is also part of the educational program. So I guess that uh, some of them, uh, perhaps many of them, were asked to assist in, in hospitals in the Czech Republic. I don't think they were asked to do it in Norway. At the embassy, has there been a shift in focus from uh, political uh, reporting towards consular affairs? And how was it to report on the situation here without being able to meet with political representatives or people in the ministries and other institutions in person? Did you, for example, use Zoom calls or mm. how did you solve it? To prepare political reporting or economic report, reporting, you basically have two sources and uh, quite often you combine them. Uh, at this embassy we have people who are able to read Czech, speak Czech, so we use newspapers, television, radio. But of course it's important to speak to people, meet people, and that combination uh, from news media and meeting people is perhaps the best background for a good political report. Uh, but it's, it's absolutely possible to write good political po report without meeting people, because then you rely on a variety of newspapers, and also you have acquired a certain understanding of Czech politics, so that you can interpret what you read in the newspapers. But then, um, during the pandemic, uh, for a long time, we were, all of us, unable to meet physically, but we had uh, meetings uh, online with the representatives of the Czech society, not very often, but uh, sometimes. Uh, by the way, I think uh, we all uh, agreed in the diplomatic community that uh, online meetings are all well and good, but physically meeting, physical meetings are much, much better. I understand that. Um, but you, Mr. Ambassador, are also well known for being fluent in Czech language. Did you feel it as an advantage during the pandemic that you could follow on what was going on in real time? Or did it make you perhaps more frustrated or confused because of the sometimes chaotic and contradictory communication of the anti-COVID measures and regulations? First, uh, of course, it's always 
a big advantage to be able to communicate in a local language, uh, perhaps in the capital and in Prague, you can uh, you can get by by using English, but uh, in the countryside and in local communities, uh, to be able to speak direct in the Czech language gives another way, gives another direct you know communication. So that's important, pandemic or not. But then, of course, to be able to, to follow uh, newspapers, television, radio is a big advantage. But there, there's something else which uh, I think I bring with me from uh, this particular topic during the pandemic, and that is the importance of the importance that the how important it is that authorities speak with one voice. As soon as you have one representative for that institution and one representative of another institution speaking with nuances, then people get confused. So to have one spokesman or two very coordinated spokespersons is so important. I think it was a lot of confusion in the Czech Republic, but also I noticed from home, but less in Norway, I think, than in the Czech Republic, because I think the Norwegian authorities were better at coordinating between those who spoke on behalf of the government or on behalf of authorities. This is so important. I think, first, all the measures are complicated because you have recommendations on this and that on other things and all taken together was uh, uh, was com complicated for people to follow and fully understand but even more important is of course to have someone that speaks in a language understandable for most people and in Norway we were lucky, lucky to have one person the deputy of the health directory he he has a particular natural talent for speaking in an everyday language so that people understand and his voice and his appearance is so that you think that this is a reliable person, we can trust him, this is very good. That is good to hear. Um, when you're in contact with your colleagues from the dip diplomatic community in Prague to share information on a regular basis or exchange views or even help each other in a practical way, for example, in the Nordic-Baltic group, which holds together quite closely. It's uh, was, uh, quite important and we had a lot of contact. Um, for me, uh, particularly two different groups, you mentioned Nordic-Baltic, absolutely very frequent contact and we also had another uh, group uh, of uh, you can call it non-European Union Western countries. Um, we also have a, created a WhatsApp group and then exchange information. What did the exchange information on? Of course, uh, political issues, but even more on how the embassies handled the pandemic. Closed the embassy, not closed the embassy. Divide uh, the staff into teams, this kind of issues and when to go from one regime to another and when to open up again. And then what about vaccination? Uh, and then 
how could we influence in a positive way our staff to, to get vaccination, vaccinated as soon as possible. Very practical issues, but issues that were so important for uh, the functioning of the embassies. So we, uh, this was uh, useful and for me also a way to check whether or not this embassy did it in a reasonable way. So I think uh, in the end we saw that uh, most Western embassies at least, uh, at least uh, uh, had a regime uh, which uh, was very comparable. A few embassies closed all together and sent all people back to home offices. But many did as we did, we, we, we divided the staff into two and then had a few at the premises and more at home office. So that we didn't need to close the embassy because sometimes there are people coming to the embassy for, and, and ask uh, for help. Mm -hmm. One of the embassy's main priorities is the promotion of the EEA and Norway grants. Mm. How did COVID affect this area? Have there been any projects or program negatively affected by COVID, delayed, for example? And has COVID created some new opportunities or perhaps provoked new ideas in the area of uh, the EEA and Norway grants? First, um, uh, most projects proceeded quite okay during the pandemic. Uh, of course, uh, when uh, physical meetings were necessary, then you had the, 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 the danger of delays. But by and large, programs proceeded quite okay. There was one particular area that were, were more um, affected than the others, namely the purely bilateral program. Uh, and then you had for a long time uh, uh, it was for a long time impossible for Norwegians to come to Prague or to Czech Republic and vice versa. And many of these projects were arts dependent upon close contact between the institutions involved in these particular projects. Now, it didn't mean that it stopped altogether because uh, we were able to continue uh, having a contact online. So um, the, uh, the, the conclusion uh, or the short answer to your question is that by and large went on quite well, but uh, projects depended on, on physical meetings were delayed because then you had to turn to the online meetings. New ideas? Not really, because I think uh, this is, these programs are so abroad and there's so much creativity and good ideas already. <laughs> there's no need for it. And, and the other thing is that we, are now, we have now moved to the end of the uh, program period 2014-2021. So now we are entering into negotiations in Brussels on the next program. So. Um, there are very or next to no new projects coming up now, but they are moving towards closing projects. And then uh, this creativity and new ideas we will need when we start to practical project work uh, on the next program period, but that will all be, could be in three years' time. Okay, hopefully there's no COVID anymore at that time. I don't think so. 
There is also a number of Norwegian or Norway-related companies in the country. Mm. Were you in contact with them during the pandemic? And did they face any particular challenges connected with the crisis? And how did they overall survive the crisis? Well, first, um, uh, compared to other Nordic countries, there are a few Norwegian companies in the Czech Republic, and most of those who are here are quite big. You have uh, Jotun powder coating factory in the north. Uh, they are big and they are not dependent on the embassy, so their production went on. You have Vitana Hammer, which also had a big yeah, company, and then production went on because people need food. Other, uh, other Norwegian and Norwegian related uh, companies as well. Uh, there is one restaurant here which is owned by Norwegian. Uh, Kampa and Hargitova uh, Tsihana, the same owner, and of course uh, during the pandemic when they were closed they, they ran into serious difficulties as all other uh, companies uh, in the service sector. But they have, uh, or he has survived, I think uh, it's very important also because this particular restaurant is the, the restaurant that cares for the catering in the Norwegian residence. In general, do you see any kind of positive impact of COVID crisis in your, in your work? Has it brought some new ideas or uh, improved routines which have uh, made your work better or improved your work in any way? I think by and large I would say the pandemic has been negative, full stop. So many ill people and so many people have died. So it's a kind of artificial to look for positive effects, but there are a few of them. I think one important thing is that uh, we have understood that we do not need to travel by plane to meet other people. We can do it online. So to have a reduced air traffic is one positive effect of the pandemic and of course positive for the climate and for the environment. Uh, sometimes also uh, meeting online with are more effective, efficient than meeting physically. But uh, for me uh, as a diplomat, uh, I have behind me 30 years of experience Nothing can substitute the physical meetings. Try to develop a network online. I had one newly arrived colleague approached me before the summer, wanted to have to do this courtesy visit with me online. I was skeptical, but of course I said, let's go ahead and we had that meeting, the meeting went well and I met this person two weeks later, she did not recognize me and when I told her that we had met before, she was, <laughs> she didn't remember. That brings me to my last question. Do you feel that Covid has put an end to traditional diplomacy based on interpersonal contact and meetings? Or are we slowly getting back to business as usual and nothing will change because of the reasons you've just mentioned? Well, it's, uh, you can't say that nothing will change, nothing has changed because uh, things change all the time. 
But um, uh, I will then um, answer your question by uh, telling about something I heard when I was a trainee at the Foreign Ministry in Oslo. It was 1988-1990. We had lectures during that my trainee period. One was given by the then head of the European Union representation in Oslo. He argued that uh, in a few years' time, I don't remember how he formulated it, but he said that European Union countries will close their embassies because we'll have a European Union representation. It's a basic misunderstanding. To me, the more complicated the world is, the more you need to be in contact with each other. So therefore, I don't foresee any possibility in the foreseeable future that we will close the embassies. We need to be present, we need to be in contact, we need to be in physical contact. It's so important that we in a complicated world can be here and then uh, speak on behalf of Oslo to check authorities, to coordinate positions, calibrate positions, positions on climate change and European policies, on security policy, where both members of NATO and authors is so important. And also, people-to-people -people contact. I mean, the most important thing I do as an ambassador is to meet people. Not necessarily people representing Czech authorities. Yesterday, I went, uh, went with one colleague at the embassy to a small place called Pietipsi, five dogs, by the way. And to visit a, uh, a project co-financed by the Snorsky Foundation Funds, and that meeting with local people was so interesting, so nice. And then, because I speak Czech, and then we have this immediate contact. We could have fun together, joke together, exchange information together. So I will remember the meeting with the with ordinary people of the Czech Republic and they will remember the meeting with the Norwegian ambassador. And I think we will then uh, think of that day as, uh, as a day of a meeting with uh, representatives of a friendly nation. I mean, these are very simple issues, simple, simple things that are so important in today's complicated and in many ways dangerous world. Mr. Ambassador, thank you very much for sharing your views and insights with the listeners of the podcast series Czech-German Perspective.